1: hey everybody welcome to a brand new episode of undying light i am your host pastor alex and this week i am joined by a very special guest and one that we seem to have been trying to set up this interview for about six months now Uh, and either one of us seems to be flaking on the other person at random times but i finally got him straight uh, straddled down strangled down I don't know yeah. if that's the right word. Something. Yeah, like that. yeah. You strangled me. <laughs> strangled him. Put him into submission. Yeah. It's a Lutheran thing. We we stiff we stiff people to get them on the show because yeah. you know nobody wants to show their face on a Lutheran podcast, which I don't blame them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, let my guest introduce himself and uh, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and and uh, whatever else you think is previous to our listeners.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He get, just noticed everybody, he gave me the conch and uh, mm-hmm. so uh, the microphone. I have the floor, the floor, the floor. Anyways, um, before this gets really weird, um, my name is, is Dave Jenkins, and I'm the executive director of Servants of Grace Ministries. I've been doing that in August, so it'll be 22 years. And in case you wonder how old I am, I am only 41, so I started this pretty young. And for some of you, that I'm still too young so um anyways or old now uh, i'm old yeah uh, alex <laughs> says i'm actually dirt so they're older know. and take older that, and dirt. take that as you will if, if you're older than 41 you're pretty much you know uh, just beyond you. The, beyond, just, beyond the hill oh oh, just, just oh you. It, it's just me okay because
1: i think i have a li- <laughs> i have one of my four listeners that might be older yeah. than 41 so i can't oh yeah oh okay i see <laughs> I, how it is i i would say uh you know, funny side note. Um, <laughs> I was at my parents this past weekend and, or not this past weekend, the weekend before. And uh, my mom was sitting there and she's like, hey, how do I take you know, Like, how do I listen to your podcast? I was like, oh, cool. You know, so like I showed her and gave her some rundowns of it. I'm like, so uh, I, I can't quite say yet that my mom listens to this show, but that might come soon enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, mother. Uh Yeah. Anywho, you're not that old anyway she's not old at all she's like in her mid 50s so nice which makes uh, me very young i'm only 18 so yeah yeah, (laughs) it's not good to lie i'm sorry
2: oh yeah
1: so uh dave you are uh an author too and uh i mean on top of all of the articles that you post and all the firebomb think uh shots that you throw at people on your social media page uh you know, I, to be honest with you, we're, we we just briefly talked about it in the head of the show. But I'm I'm always I, I'm always thrilled to see your posts because they just there's like no hold bars, right? I mean, you just you you go out, you throw a punch everybody, and then you walk away. And you know, maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> But it definitely needs to be more people's cup of teas. So at the end of the show, I'm going to make sure that you get your shout out to get people to follow you because you drop great content always. And it's 100% biblical. So if you listen to this show like this is somebody you want to follow, he's just going to continue to produce solid edifying content. So uh, I want to turn it over to you and let you talk to us a little bit about your book and your ministry and we'll go from there.
2: Yeah. So the short answer to what I do is that I I am uh, talked about servants of grace. We have a magazine podcast, but essentially I'm a writer, author, speaker, and a uh, podcaster. And then I also do uh, po- a pulpit supply about every month or every other month. And so I, I stay busy and then I, I help people uh, with our podcasts as well on the side. And, um, uh, but, uh, I'm, more importantly than those things, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus. I've been following him since I was five years old. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Sarah, we've been married for 15 years and, uh, outside of my salvation, she is the greatest gift of God to me and just such a blessing. And, um, so I, we, we live in, uh, Southern Oregon. We live about an hour South of Eugene and it's, uh, beautiful here uh today not so much it's a little overcast but that's a pretty typical uh, uh pacific northwest kind of day you know it's kind of dreary kind of overcast and you know uh so but when it's when it's sunny you can from our house you can see the the valley here that with trees and it's green it's very beautiful uh so uh we're very blessed to to be here um i grew up in seattle and uh I guess I've, I've moved from uh, thinking about this. I've lived in Washington for most of my life. And then we lived in Idaho. Uh, Sarah and I did where she, my wife is from. And then we ended up moving to California and now we've lived in Oregon. And so we've kind of, we have the, we have the West coast pretty well, you know, mapped out. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we've been all around the United States and uh, but uh, yeah. So that's a, I would say just a little bit about me and um, I like to write. So uh, I do, I do a fair bit of that. And so.
1: Yeah. So you just, <clears throat> you just had a book come out not too long ago and yeah, I, you know, I, I think we talked about it pretty extensively on a matter of truth with Anthony. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to catch that episode, go <clears throat> listen to it. But Dave does want to, Talk a little bit about it because it's pretty relevant to some of the topics we wanted to cover on this episode. So I'll yeah. let you take it away again.
2: Yeah. So the 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 book is the word explorer, the problem in biblical literacy and what to do about it. And what I'm really aiming to do is I, I want to help people to, you know, read and study and meditate and memorize on the Bible and then very basically do life with the church. And it's it's taking just a very evangelical and Protestant view so if you're uh, evangelical and you're a protestant um you're not gonna find even if you're a lutheran or a baptist or a presbyterian you're not gonna find anything that uh i think you would really disagree with here i'm pretty much going straight down the middle with the protestant evangelical perspective theological perspective and and just trying to say hey we have a god who's given us this great book in the 66 books of the bible and he, he delights over this book. He delights over his people. Um, he's chosen to reveal himself, although he doesn't have to. And so we are, this takes us well beyond the idea that, you know, Bible reading is a chore. It's, it's just something that we do. It's something that I check off my list of things to do every day. It's something that is a delight, as the Psalms talk about, where it's a delight in the Lord and to, you know, enjoy him. And so This is kind of what I'm trying to do is um, so the book, the first half of the book is really focused on helping the Christian through the what we call the means of grace to utilize, uh, you know, Bible reading and study and memorization uh, for the purpose of helping them to grow in Christ. So then in book part two, what I want them to do is I want them to serve Christ in the local church. Um, And we see this kind of connection in the New Testament. Um, again and again for God is most concerned first and foremost with our character, our, our growing in Christ, you know, the fruits of the spirit, enjoying our union with Christ, and then um then going out and serving him so that we're not a bunch of hypocrites, um, <laughs> you know, yep, walking yep. around and yep. and just saying, Hey, I've got all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am actually being formed by Christ, I'm growing in Christ, and then I'm serving Christ. So Um, There's knowing, I think of it this way, we, so we're supposed to know Christ and then we're supposed to serve Christ. And that pretty well basically summarizes, you know, some, some of what, you know, the New Testament would describe as a pretty normal, typical Christian life.
1: Good. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that you bring that up um, because in, in my patron group on Instagram, um, they decided to throw out some fireball questions this morning as I was going to the doctors. And I'm like, like trying to like respond, but like still not get too deep into the waters because the question they asked was just really, uh, was a good question. And, and I think what it does is, is it helps us to understand that understanding scripture is vital to the Christian existence and, and it's vital to understand how Paul and Peter and John and James and Jude and, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have written their gospels and their epistles. It's crucial for us to understand hermeneutics. And Anthony and I, we talk about this almost every episode because hermeneutical understanding is Foundational, and your book really does a great job at tracking people through that. And it does so, like you said, kind of at a middle path where you're not falling into this particular camp of thought or that particular camp of thought. And I think, too, is you know, Christians, there's a very fine way to read and understand scripture, uh, but then there's also you know, you can also apply your denominational hermeneutic and see a different view or maybe come at it at a different angle. Um, and in this, in this verse, they question was first Timothy chapter two and it's verses 13 through 15. And I'll read it for you here. Cause this was an interesting question. They brought up Paul's writing. He says for Adam was formed first, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor yet. She will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and the holiness with self-control. So the question was, will essentially is this, will all women who give birth automatically be saved? Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, it kind of got the pot stirring because, you know, what about the women who can't actually have a child? What about women who, you know, have a barren womb or have some sort of medical issue? What about uh, their, their spouse who can't, you know, uh is unable to impregnate them i mean there's there's all these different caveats to consider and and and, the, and as we kind of unpacked it a little bit it was one of those things that if you were to read this verse with a literal and basic interpretation without actually understanding the redemptive plan it you could fall into this trap to say that only women who bear children will be saved because it's a very easy way to understand the scripture. And, and Paul's not one to necessarily talk, talk through like, uh, you know, and using an analogy too often he does in some instances, but when he's talking about this particular passage, it's that through childbearing one particular child will be the savior to all people. And it's so through Eve, because she was the first transgressor, it'll be from her line that salvation will come to all people, which is Jesus Christ. And so it's not that a woman must have a child to be saved. It's that through childbirth, people are saved. And, and so, cause I mean, you can even get in, into even more caveats of it and say, well, what about women who uh, have a C-section? What about, you know, does that take away from the natural childbirth since the child didn't go through that normal process? Does that not mean that they were, you know, that they're actually bearing children in that in that fashion? Um, I mean, you can get yeah. you can get really spicy on on how you legalize yeah. a scripture like this.
2: Yeah. And what what you're pointing out with, well, a that's one of the most um uh even scholars debate the meaning of that mm-hmm. text. So I mean, but but really what you're pointing out is something that um, is really, really important in that we shouldn't take a cookie cutter approach to to difficult questions like Peter even said some things that Paul said um, were difficult to understand um, towards the end of second Peter. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely one of those things where you're like, okay, I don't know what you meant, Paul, but let's uh, let's figure it out, you know. Uh, but definitely, I think what you're touching on is really important. And it shows really the the uh, weakness of modern evangelicalism. I would I would argue mm-hmm. in that we we want to take okay, well, this is what it means. Okay, so we do want to take a literal hermeneutic, and even if you lay over, um, you know, you, you 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 know, like you talked about using your denominational understanding. But but first, we want to understand what did the author mean. Like you're talking about, and then what is it? What it, then? Then we can understand. Then okay, what's the context? What does it mean? And like even even there, we have to with some of the difficult passages, we have to nuance it a little bit because like people have questions, and and the question that that they're asking is actually a very personal question. Um, it's not a cookie cutter answer. So these kind of questions, like you're, like you're mentioning, we don't, we don't give cookie cutter answers and right. anybody who gives a cookie cutter answer to a question like that, they don't, they shouldn't probably even be in ministry. Like, because you know, when, when people have those types of questions, they they're coming from a place like, Hey, I don't really know what the answer is, or like, I'm really struggling with this. And so we have to, we have to ask more questions and unpack this is probably this is where I would go to the biblical counseling approach where I'm asking mm-hmm. you know kind of more questions and uh, figuring out hey what's what's happening here and like that's that's really what I appreciate about what you were saying is like hey what's really happening here like why are you asking this question and yeah um, it's like when you go to the hospital to talk to somebody that's struggling you ask them hey what happened how did you get here um, how can I and then how. But then you, then you know how to pray for them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of approach with um, like you're, you're using here, I think is, is really helpful because it, it uncovers the issue and it helps, helps the person to actually, you know, understand um, what, what you mean. So I, I just wanted to say, I really appreciate what you just said. So,
1: mm. well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you know, like I said, Anthony and I really hammer this on a matter of truth pretty often. And and I talk about it on a semi-regular basis on my show because understanding the scripture is crucial. And, and, and I always preference, you know, when I'm doing a, an exegetical podcast like I'll be doing for Friday, we'll be going through Obadiah. Um, you know, I, I always make people understand that, hey, this is coming from a Lutheran perspective. You can go and, and listen to a podcast that's about, you know, from a Baptist or a Presbyterian, and you might get a little bit different understanding of the text. I mean, because the way we apply our hermeneutics is, is a little different. Does it mean one is right and the other is wrong? No, it just means that we read and see the text differently. And as long as you stay true to the, the overall arch, because I would I would go out to the limb to say, that whether you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian, uh, Anglican, Lutheran, whatever denomination you have, you know, if you can uh, profess the creeds, essentially, you know, the yeah. Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, like if that's your proclamation of faith, then we can we're, we're certainly brothers and sisters in Christ, and and we can begin there and say, okay, this is the fundamentals; these are the basic tenets of our faith and then we can go to these types of passages where this isn't one that deals with any sort of salvation issue or uh, or any sort of sanctification or any sort of justification for the christian this is just paul writing to make a declaration yeah. to something
2: these are the these are what we call the fundamentals and being fundamentalist isn't necessarily a bad thing in terms of affirming the actual you know, basics. As John Stott wrote a book on the basics of Christianity years mm-hmm. and years ago, um, and but using the pejorative fundamentalist is is a bad thing. Being a mm-hmm. fundamentalist, and that perspective where you're just, you know, um, well, that's not really a fundamentalist. That's more of like a hyper. I would think of it more as a hyper fundamentalist, where you're like, hey, the the fundamentals. If you if you uh, don't affirm. What I consider to be a fundamental, which is maybe probably outside of the fundamentals, like, say, um, you know, some, I mean, we all, we, every every camp has them, you know, the, the dispensationalists who yep. affirm the the rapture, okay, we'll use that example, who make it uh, a, a, a fundamental, uh, or, you know, the Pentecostals who, not ever, all Pentecostals do this, so don't hear me want this all, if you're a Pentecostal, <laughs> but like, you know, some Pentecostals, you know, affirm, you know, like speaking in tongues. So I, I, I'm I just saying like across the spectrum, using that as an example, there mm-hmm. are hyper fundamentalists, but fundamentalism itself is not a bad thing. And if we're speaking of like you are in the in the basics of Christianity, the fundamentals of the faith, like right. we should have be able to talk and affirm. And even even we can we can agree on those things and we can still work together um and where we disagree we can lovingly as you're saying we can lovingly talk about through those things and have dialogue and conversations and even if we disagree on certain texts and Mm -hmm. how we how we do biblical theology and then how we take our systematic theology and um come to scripture and and map it out i mean these are these are matters that the church has disagreed on mm-hmm. and so you know these are these are preferential you know issues and we should be able to have dialogue and not be in the pejorative sense a f- fundamentalist now i would say that i would say that this is a significant issue where you know the bible has so much to say about as we both know about our speech how we're supposed to speak is a, is a matter the bible tells us as a reflection of what's in our heart Mm-hmm. And so it should give us a great pause um about uh, across theological the, the uh, conservative theological perspective it should give us pause um what the bible says about our speech um and it's something that i'm really concerned about to be to be frank with you because um what i see online is i see people getting on there you know I, i've told you this but i'm not the first one to say it's keyboard ninjas yep yep and and, and uh Know we they get they get into this keyboard ninja mode, and it's like, dude, like, chill out, maybe get on a zoom with that person. like, I would just love to see it. Like, I mean, I'm not saying like there's not a place for public discourse in theology, but like, if those people got on those people that are really disputing each other and have disputation with each other over theological matters, if they were to get on the zoom and chat with each other, or even on the phone. And by the way, most of them know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I only know that because I know most of the, the what those people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just saying like, get on the zoom, get on a call, get on a text and leave it out of the blogs, the podcasts, and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, until you do that at least, yeah. you know? And Agreed. so the loving, the, the command to love one another is, is still applicable today. And, uh, it's a matter of John 1335 says a matter of our witness and our Mm -hmm. witness really does matter. Yeah. So, but, um, anyway, yeah, I I go on a rant. (laughs) No, you're
1: good. Rants are welcome on the show. In fact, uh, you know, I, as June approaches, uh, I might do a mid-year rant-a-thon. Um, so you're more than welcome to join me. I, I sometimes try to get as many random guests across different you know theological backgrounds to come on the show and and we just sit and we just hammer out stuff and uh I had Sounds good. Yeah, I had Paul from uh Peals of Thunder and Nick from Crisis Cure on in January as we dropped the New Year's Day episode and we most of that was all political ranting uh and how Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and how how to handle uh you know scripture in light of current state of politics and oh. Oh, fun. So it was a good, it was really good episode. And uh, Anthony was on that show with us too. So we had a four nice. person panel. I always, I, I don't want to say I forget Anthony. He's my buddy, but um, in fact, I, we were going to record last week. And then we were going to record this week. And I don't know, we need to get in a matter of truth episode done. Cause we're, we're slacking and
2: you need to have me back on.
1: We need to, we need to, you need to write some more books so we can talk about them. <laughs>
2: I'm working on it, brother.
1: Well, we. Uh, speaking of books, we we've been talking pretty consistently uh, for the last probably couple of months now on on authorship, and I don't know if it, I've ever really made the comment on my podcast, but once I'm done with seminary, my goal is to be a writer. I won't be, you know, slinging books like John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul does. I mean, R.C. Sproul, you know, God rest his soul, he's still publishing books to this day. I mean, and I think that's the great thing of the authorhood is when you pass off, pass out of this world onto the next, um, you're still able to have your works published. You know, people like J.R. or Tolkien, uh, I mean, his works are still being published uh, even within the last handful of years. Um, you know, and then any great theologian has written tons and tons of books and now they're being translated and and actually, you know, they're finding manuscripts of certain people and they're able to copy that into digital and and actually do prints with them. And so to have you know a legacy essentially that lives on is, is quite an interesting thing in this world. But again, as a biblical author, as a Christian author you know, it's it, the focus. And I think you would agree with me on this is not us as the author, we could care less if our books, you know, last past our lifetime, because we'll be dead and enjoying an eternal bliss with Christ. So who cares, but we want to write edifying content that the reader can pick up at any time in the course of life and course of history and apply that. I mean, you know, I'm looking at your, your, your bookshelves here in the background and, and I can recognize a few of the books just from, you know, a far distance here. And, and those are books that will be timeless. I mean, they just, they, they fit into every piece of the church history and, and then there's some books that, um, you know, may not have been applicable 10 years ago are, are applicable today, but then in 10 years, they may not be again. There's, there's always those types of books as well. Uh, so let me ask you this when, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I need another book. And I think you said you're working on one. Now you're working through the publisher and getting it done. So maybe talk a little bit about this process, but when you, when you're committing yourself to another book, what are some of the things that you consider or work through, or, you know, like, uh, the hurdles that you have to overcome before you even start hitting the keyboard?
2: Well, I think the big thing to start off with is Understand what issues people are facing. You know, like you, you talked, we talked about this just a minute ago, um, understanding what people, where people are struggling and understanding a certain topic. So I'll often look at the stats on, on given subjects and be like, okay, so, you know, the church is struggling in this area, which means that the average person in the pew probably doesn't understand this general topic like the statistics on biblical literacy are alarming so i decided that i i should write a book um on it and then um i had already written my next book which uh tries to deal with the the poison um how the doctrine of scripture (coughs) is under attack but i'm working Mm on a i'm working on a book now on biblical worldview because of the statistics on um biblical worldview i don't have them in front of me but they're they're even probably i would argue even more alarming than the ones on biblical literacy um because you know like when we talk about a biblical worldview we're talking about like the whole of the christian life and then how that you know since you know we get our doctrine from you know scripture it's teaching Um, And then how our doctrine affects how we see the world. So if you don't have the right doctrine, you can't see the world in the right way. And what the statistics are telling us that people can't see the world, but to the question. So this, this is some of what I'm thinking about, like what is going to be most helpful to the average Christian. I, I argue that the average Christian, excuse me, is getting slaughtered out there. And so I want to help the average Christian just to understand the very basics of like we talked about the fundamentals of the faith and and then how does that matter to their life and so uh, many publishers um today they they say that you have to have a, a super large platform or you have to be so and so and so forth and um it's really it's really discouraging um what i want to say though to that is to to if you're writing keep writing write write you know, write good stuff, excel, uh, focus on faithfulness, focus on delivering content that that's going to minister to people. And the great thing about today is, is that you can bypass publishers entirely and self-publish. I do want to say that there are advantages to going the traditional route. So try that. And if it doesn't work, don't be discouraged by it. I can say, I can say that because I've been rejected and, and any of your quote unquote name, favorite authors, um, they've been, re- I guarantee you, and I've heard from a lot of the, the ma- big names, uh, they've all been rejected too. Um, it's just part of the, it's part of the game. But today we have the added advantage of, you know, we can self-publish, um, you know, if you do decide to self-publish, make sure you get yourself a good editor uh, to, you know, really dive into it because it might look good. Um, like my wife says, your, your writing is really good. Like the, the, you know, the, the, the house looks good and, you know, the, the, the building in it and the rooms look good. Uh, it's, it's, you know, when you dive into it though, uh, you know, the, the room is actually a mess and the, <laughs> the room has to be in this analogy has to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, but that's true for, that's true for everybody, um, for everybody's writing and, and the more than a good editor will do is though it's actually a gift um i say that the writer writes the editor edits uh, i happen to be both so I, I have to turn off the editor in me and and so i'll just say to those writing i won't talk about the editing piece just write what i mean is just my wife my wife says calls this word vomit just vomit all over the page take those take your keyboard and just type things type of thought type thoughts put mm-hmm. sentence after sentence uh string them together uh next thing uh next paragraph next sentence next word or yeah next word next sentence next paragraph next you know par- uh, page and so on and so forth and and then you'll have something and then you can go back after that again and again and again and refine it shape it make it better uh you might add in a point uh, add in a story that Ties into that that that's really appealing. For example, like in my writing, I use church history um, with stats, and and that helps people. Okay, well, so and so did such and such thing in church history, and then here's the stat that shows the problem. And then I'll take from there. I'll go into the what the Bible you know says very basically about whatever subject that I'm dealing with, and people find this very. Uh, uh, helpful and then maybe I'll give like a personal story or an example from something that I've uh, done in ministry or something like that and people find this really really helpful it helps to um, illustrate the the issue the problem but then it shows it also proves that the problem and provides a solution so you don't want to just give the in writing you the number one issue that I see and I'll talk as an editor is you have people out there that give here's a problem, but then they never give uh, a solution in, in a way that uh, people can understand. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of lands really flat or they never like come back with an actual, like they'll give you the truth, but then you're like, wait, what does that, what is that, what does that mean? Like, how do I take it? And, <laughs> or it's just like so over the top that you're like, wait a minute, do you really know what you're talking about? Or, They'll just make statements like, oh, this is the number one thing that I tell people editing when I edit them. Please do not say many or most or all. Just try to stay away from that. Use a stat. Use a story. Uh, engage your audience. Uh, in writing, especially like, with, like we both preach, you want to speak to the person with scripture. Uh, one of my mentors uh, used to say, love people with a word, Dave. And, and the same idea behind that, uh, minister, but the focus there is on loving people. So love people with the word, um, you know, focus on ministering to them with scripture. Uh, that should be our goal, whether we're speaking, uh, whether we're podcasting, whether we're interacting on a one-on-one basis with one another or anything. I mean, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that I could say about that. But I, I would just say, I would just say that some of the, those things I think are, like the heart behind it and that the publishing piece don't don't get discouraged um like i said everybody has got rejected um people are going to get rejected the the publishing industry as a whole i'll just say very briefly um if you've never written and you've are just going and submitting to a publisher recognize that you're walking into a situation where you might already get rejected and as long as you have that expectation um and you're okay with it um then go for it but recognize that your chances of success in this are going to be probably minimal if you put minimal if you've shown the publisher minimal amount of effort uh in terms of publishing because what they're going to do is they're going to come back if they accept you and they're going to spend you know, a lot of money, you know, we're talking in some cases, depending on the publisher, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, on you uh, to edit your book, to market your book so that they can make that money back, you know? Um, and so, especially in today's climate and publishing, um, it's really important for authors to not get discouraged to, to have realistic expectations um, because unfortunately with COVID and everything that happened, it really hurt the publishing industry. And so they're even more doubling down. And I'm seeing that on the other side as uh, I, I represent people on the side, um, not very many people. Um, so don't think that I'll, I don't take on many people, but as a literary agent, I'll send in a project. And I'm just, I just hear back like, what I, this is what I hear. So I'm just telling, like, don't get discouraged. I am having this kind of same kind of conversation with the people that I help. Don't get discouraged about this. This is part of the process and God's providence. You know, that no is actually, you know, a it, I had to learn myself as an author. It was actually God saying yes, you know, in some cases, like mm-hmm. even recently, I told you, you know, there was this book that I have forthcoming. I had the forward, uh, the endorsements, everything is ready to go. Um, I had done two edits with the publisher and they pulled it. Um, they said that it needed more editing. This is like the example, uh, mm-hmm. that I used. all that. The house looks good. Everything is fine, but the, 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 the structure needs a little bit more work. Uh, the foundation needs a bit more work. It needs, it needs a bit more work. And, and y- <laughs> there's a sense also with whether you're writing an article or a book, um, nothing is ever going to be perfect because we're finite creatures mm-hmm. um, we our our understanding our even our work is affected by the fall and so um we're, nothing is going to be <laughs> you know the house can look beautiful again it can, everything can look very pretty on the outside everything can look uh, grammatically spelling wise everything but uh, nobody has a corner market on being able to say everything in a book, in a podcast, in uh, social media posts, so mm-hmm. on and so forth, and so um, you know, as you as you read, as you even take in content, my what I what I'm saying is that you just recognize that it's a book, even in a sermon. A sermon makes an argument, but a sermon doesn't say everything. A book doesn't say everything. An article doesn't say everything. A social media post doesn't say everything. So just recognize that and be be thankful, you know, and then then that'll help I think to, to, to have a better understanding. And I see that as a, I say that as an author, as an editor, I see lots of Christians um comment on things. I'm sure you do as well. And you're like, mm-hmm. but I, but I actually said something and it's like, did you interact with what I said? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, and so then this way, we can show, like we talked about earlier about showing respect and honor and, and love and care and, That's not to minimize anybody like saying making an additional point. Like we're not saying I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like make sure at least online because nobody can see you that you understand that the that you show that you understand and that that demonstrate that you understand the other
1: person's point before you go blah. You know exactly exactly.
2: (laughs) Anyway, I said a whole (laughs) time.
1: No, that's good. It's uh yeah, that's what we want to fill up our, our listeners ear holes with is good, solid, edifying content that they can, uh, listen, re-listen and, and unpack and take notes and continue on. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, um, interesting mark to, to deal with, uh, writing a book and like, you know, I've, we've had conversations, I've never published anything. I've never, you know, I barely have written enough for school work, um, to, you know, get through it. and just writing my academic essays that are, you know, maybe five or 10 pages long at most. Uh, I, it, it, they're scrutinized heavy and that's just, you know, turning in a term paper and, you know, so to write your, you know, people think, well, I can just put it through like a grammar checker online and it'll be fine. No, you really need, you know, to, like you said, go in and and fix the entire room and, Mm. and make sure that the wall outlets are connected to electricity and make sure the lights work and make sure there's not, you know, weak old food laying under the bed type thing. Mm. And So, I mean, it's a task and it's a, and it's a daunting one, but I, you know, like you said, just for the, for the people writing, just keep writing, you know, even if you may never publish it, continue to write it, start a blog, put out your content and let the world see it. And, and always like, and I really like what you said at one point, when you get into a book, if you're going to address a topic or an issue, address it, unpack it. It may not be exhausted, but at least provide your take on that issue, and I think this fails in a lot of self-help books because they're going to say, how do we uh, fix the person reading this, and and so they then they give you a cookie-cutter scenario or setup, and and nine out of ten times, it's just not applicable to all people, but they take... You know, and then half the time they don't even like provide concrete or, or tangible steps to get to that solution. They just are like, you know, m- you know, problem a men are lazy solution to problem a well, we need to stop doing, you know, playing video games. Well, I don't play video games that much. We need to stop watching TV. Well, I watch TV, you know, like late at night when my kids are going to bed um you know so it's just like you know they give you just such generic or broad solutions and i did you know air quotes with that it's it's just it it really makes reading the book just dull and unentertaining. and you know and i guess my advice too and this is something that dave and i have talked a little bit about um because i i not only want to write some christian uh theology but i do want to write some fantasy because i'm a big fantasy nerd And so, one of the things that I've really been reading up on and studying is when you write, build this, build the world around you. And and so, if you're writing, you know, a Christian theology book, build the entire sphere around your topic. Like, find every nuanced piece that deals with your topic, and just read, study, and go after it. And that will help you put your thoughts onto paper at. you know, whatever point.
2: Yeah, that's really good. In fact, that, that touches on something that I, that I do personally, Mm -hmm. Um, not to interrupt you there, but uh, just to expand on that, um, you know, I'll start out by saying too much and then I'll go back and, you know, whittle it down. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what I would say to the average writer start with too much um, in your article or in your book chapter and then go back and whittle it down, you know, cause you, you can never have too many thoughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then you have to go back and you have to whittle it down because like in a, in seminary, you have maybe 10 pages or for a discussion yep. where you have 250 words or th- there's a reason why these assignments have the, the word total. They're, they're trying to get you to communicate in a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. Like for the seminary sermon, I call it, uh, you have 20 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I had 20 minutes, you know, and they want you to pack in exegesis in the intro and, a, and, and, you know, as much exegesis as you can of the passage and then uh, a conclusion and maybe some application to take away. And oh, yeah. so, yeah, just so you're, you're just using more examples there um, to bring out the point that, you know, more content is, you can never have enough content in any, in anything and mm-hmm. um, more content is better not less and then going back and uh through it and editing it and making it sharper and and more applicable and easier to read and understand um so yeah this is something that that i do a lot and it it it, that's why i use examples and stories because like that if you've been a christian a long time you you know ad nauseum the 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 basics Mm -hmm. uh but but most christians like mature christians where they struggle how do i take this and how do i relate this to my life kind Mm -hmm. of situation the new christian doesn't know the basics and or by by and large i say um and so like they need to know that information but the new christian needs to see it illustrated and so that's why i use the examples and the stories and the things so that they can see it um at work you know Mm -hmm. in in the life of god's people in my life so on and so forth even while I'm using examples now to it it brings it out, it helps people to to get it. And once they get it, then they know, then then they can take the idea. And then they can apply it to their situation. And people are always asking, like, how do I take this? What does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. It's like, we have to teach them the I think we talked about this on a matter of truth. Um, You know, we have to give them the principles. And then you know, then, then they can take the, the truth and home to their life and, and, you know, how it intersects with their situation once they understand those things. So.
1: Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, I, the whole discussion on content and, and length and that is in, interesting because in seminary, I had a professor, um, who's now retired, but his whole, like he would teach all 12 or 14 weeks of, of the semester. And then, uh, it would be um, no assignments due during this time period, but he would give you a midterm and a final. And your midterm was, here's 30 questions that are, you know, long and extravagant questions. And you had to provide an answer in one sentence hmm. to, to 10 of the 30 questions of your choice. Then he gives you five uh, questions that you pick two or three or whatever it was and provide a paragraph example so he's like you should have two pages when you're done and so the first class I had with him I followed that that you know pretty strict and yeah. I noticed like trying to cram all of the answer into one sentence is rather difficult and and I didn't you know I got passing marks I didn't do awful on it but you know I noticed that I left so much out and, and I think he was really trying to get me to, you know, uh, open up a little bit more. And so the next class I had with him, I'm like, all right, I'm going all in. And I just, like, like you said, I just vomited on the paper and, and some of the single sentence questions turned out to be a little bit more of a small paragraph, but it was suitable and, and I, and I got a passing grade. Uh, but what he wants is, How can you take these most complex issues and simplify it down and make it pastoral in nature for the listener? Yeah. So we can talk about, oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I just wanted to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, And that is like, when you're answering a question, like you were just saying really briefly, try to take that and condense it. What I mean is just say, say a few things And be okay with not saying everything um and then and then let the person ask you a question or maybe that's all they wanted to know Mm -hmm. and then that's okay you don't have to give um a you know a treatise you don't have Mm -hmm. to give a sermon you don't have to and even understand with with those with a book and a sermon um that you're not going to say everything anyway and so just be okay with saying uh, a few things make a good argument a good case for what you're saying and then leave it there and so, so on and so forth so
1: yep that's exactly it and uh but you know look we can talk about writing um yeah un- until the cows come home i think we've had, <laughs> we've had multiple yeah. days of texting and voice messages back and forth on just writing um and, and it's a wonderful topic and it's one that we don't really talk about too much on this show because you know we're we're looking really more at an in-depth breakdown of scripture, which is great because, you know, I think sometimes for the listener, it's just like these shows are nice and easy to listen to. And I don't have to take notes if I'm not an author, but, it, you know, it shows the, the, the work somebody goes through to get a book published yeah. and, and the amount of, you know, in many cases, stress and sleepless nights and, you know, unnerving conversations with publishers and all that sort. Yeah. But I want to shift gears a little bit as we get fairly close to our hour mark. Now um, we got maybe about 10 or 15 minutes left. And I noticed you I remember you wanted to talk about uh, justice, right? Is that the other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we
2: wanted to talk about it. Yeah.
1: So I will let you uh, kick that off and sure. we'll go sure. down that rabbit hole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we, we've been Alex and I have been chit chatting about, you know, just general concerns about, uh, social justice, critical race theory, intersectionality, and just justice as a whole. And I, I, I was thinking about today, this is what I really appreciate about about Vodi Bauckham. You know, he, he, he frames it as a matter of justice, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the justice of God, God is a just God. And so he cares about justice. Um, and, and there's a reason that I think he does that. Um, uh, and I've been I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, but but it's not to the exclusion of caring for the poor, the widow, the orphan, because or, or about sex trafficking or speaking out against um, abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we care about those things, but we care about them in the right order. Uh, we care about them because God is a just God. Mm -hmm. um because he you know because of christ he's fully satisfied the the wrath of of god and you know he's made us new creations and so we we have a desire to care for these issues now um some people would talk about that in terms of social justice or you might hear it in the tim keller sense of a ministry of mercy i think it's better to talk about it in terms of a, a matter of justice you know we see that in in that famous micah passage you know love justice and mercy and so on mm-hmm. and so forth care for the widow i think so i think in terms of that sense talking about it in terms of justice uh, it, it makes it it makes it a bit clearer. um it's a bit uh easier to follow uh, logically um in, in the way that i just explained it um and 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 then and then we can have a conversation about actually then Uh, caring for the marginalized and the 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 widow and the orphan and so on and so forth with the previous understanding and we also what we do is is we um we kind of bypass and go around the whole social gospel Mm -hmm. uh it's a discussion um because you know we we don't ever want to imply or suggest that we are for a, a what we call a social gospel in that because of what the social gospel does, it's no gospel, right? It right. says that social issues and social concerns are first and foremost the gospel, as in that's how we get saved. Um yeah. that is a false gospel that is no Christianity at all. Uh quote unquote, you know, progressive Christianity is as Jay Gresham Machen in by the way, 1920 in in Christianity and liberalism. By the way, if you have never read that book, go read it, go pick it up on Amazon. Um, it is, it, it, it describes perfectly what we're dealing with today. Uh, over a hundred years, a hundred years ago, Jay Gresham Machen hit, you know, he, he threw that firebomb. Uh, he hit he a home run, the <laughs> grand slam. Um, he, he took him. you know, away took it over the fence and knocked it out of the park. But, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, the issue of, you know, critical race theory and intersectionality, I mean, it, it's totally it's totally not biblical, right? I mean, at, at at best, in the most charitable way that we could say, it, it it separates and divides people. And what does the gospel do? It it unites people. It makes a people. Peter says, "Who were once not a people, he makes them a people." You know, a, mm-hmm. a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And so the the idea that that we we are to be separated from each other and divided from each other, as we've talked about. Um, you know, today, it's totally against the gospel that actually saves us. And Paul says in Ephesians uh, two, after telling us, that you know, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, Christ alone, that the dividing wall that that separated us ha- has because of Christ, we we have peace with God, and, and we can be, you know, one one people united to Christ. And so, you know, what critical race theory does is it separates us And divides us and along racial lines whereas the bible never ever Mm -hmm. this is why you and i were going back and forth with jackie hill perry's husband Mm -hmm. Uh, because what they what jackie hill perry's husband was trying to do is separate along uh and divide us along um you know lines and this is what critical race theory and intersectionality does whereas the bible doesn't do that the gospel you know, we have Jesus, John 15, uh, he is the vine, we are the branches. What the imagery is, we have union with Christ by faith in him, and, and we have communion with him. Uh, so union with Christ, communion with him, uh, and, and that means that we're actually, we're, we're, he belongs to us, and we belong to him. So how could, how can we then, in this understanding, how could we be divided from Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, that would, that would undermine Romans 8, 31 through 39, where five times or five or six times off the top of my head, Paul says it's, it's because of Christ. It's because of what he's done, uh, that, that we're, we're his, he's ours. And so he uses even that imagery, uh, there too. And so the whole idea that critical race theory and intersectionality, um, is a helpful <laughs> analytical tool. For the Christian, here's where I want to go with that. I think that it's a symptom of of biblical illiteracy. It's it's a symptom of just not opening the Bible, um, reading it, or or and it's also a symptom of the poison uh, of that we've let seep into the church. Like you think of a doctor, um, you know, you have a kid, you take the doctor if he has poison you know, say the kid gets, one of your kids get poisoned, you know, we wouldn't want that, but the doctor will take out the poison, right? And then address it. Um, We have to take out the poison and understand that scripture, uh, how scripture speaks really does matter about who and what we are in Christ. And what this does is it totally obliterates the other side. Um, You know, just, just having a basic understanding of these things obliterates, makes, critical race theory makes intersectionality makes all of those other things totally impossible but unfortunately because of those things um and this is why i think you and i wanted to talk about it the impression can be given and the argument is given that well you you, you want to do a side with those things so you don't care about what happens to african americans and asian mm-hmm. people and yeah. you don't care about the orphan and the widow well if you notice how i started my argument i argue that god is a just god and that because we're new creations in christ we care for matters of 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 justice we're, we're concerned about the child who is sex trafficked. We're, we're concerned about the the man or the woman that isn't is engaged in pornography uh we're, we're concerned about uh the issue of abortion and we want to speak out about it but but not because um not because of ourselves but because you know the honor of god the glory of god that the, the it's a matter of, of our witness mm-hmm. um because because we're the new because we're new creations in christ and so we do want to speak out about it about matters of justice because we do serve a god of justice who has appeased the wrath of god and now we ourselves care about justice because uh, of that reality so
1: right you know and and i think continuing those those lines of thought you know CRT and critical, you know, critical race theory, intersectionality, whatever we're going to slap it, a uh, label with it completely, as you say, it contradicts scripture. I mean, just from its core, it, it divides people into groups, it divides people into race, it divides people by gender identity, it divides people, whatever it does. And over and over and over, what we see in the New Testament that we are now one people in Christ. And it doesn't mean we're genderless, as some of the progressive theologians will say. It doesn't mean that we're, we could be whatever we want. It just means that it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, black, white, Hispanic, Indian, you know, Puerto Rican, it doesn't matter where you're from, your heritage, you are a brother and sister in Christ. And I think for those who are truly authentically biblical Christians, they would go to the extent to say uh that their their skin color doesn't matter and and i you know and a great example of that he's one who fights adamantly against the crt movement and and then you see all these progressive uh african-americans stand up and and you know beat down on vode because of his you know conservative biblical worldview and I think that's just, you know, it, it, the church has a lot of problems, and this is one mm-hmm. of them. And and that's to to try to play this lightly, um, because I mean, there's a thousand examples, and this can be a whole other hour conversation. But, you know, I, I it's just, it's a it's a passionate thing for me because when you know when I stand in the pulpit on Sundays and preach, I don't care who I preach to. I can preach to. Any person from any denomination, whether you're Protestant or Roman Catholic, I'll preach to you no matter what skin color you have. I'll preach to you no matter whether you identify in the LGBTQ community or not, uh, whatever you think you're an Apache helicopter or kitty cat that morning. I will preach the gospel to you because at some point the gospel will hit you like a ton of bricks and it'll help you shed away, you know, these ideologies that you are clinging to because that's what it really boils down to is they don't understand their identity now as in Christ. They want to still find identity in themselves. And that takes them down these paths of progressive ideology, progressive liberalism. And it really undermines the entire authority of scripture. But again, we can have hours long conversations, but I think we're pretty close to that hour mark. And so for the, for my listeners, uh, I try to keep it within reason. Um, Most of my shows are 30 minutes long, but when I do interviews, it goes up, up to an hour or more sometimes, but Dave, I do appreciate you coming on and I want you to make sure you shout out your, your handles and, uh, where people can find you and any other closing thoughts that you may have.
2: Yeah, brother. Well, really appreciate the, the time that you've given the talk today. always enjoy chatting with you. You guys, mm-hmm. you guys can find me on Instagram at Dave J. Jenkins or uh, Facebook, Dave J. Jenkins, SOG, or, or pretty much anywhere. Twitter. I'm on Twitter, too. Um, if you find my picture, that's me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, last thoughts, man. Just stay, stay faithful, guys. Stay faithful mm-hmm. to the word. Stay in the word. You know, you want to stay away from all these things that we've talked about today. Stay in the word, uh, stay plugged into your local church, find a church that preaches the word that, you know, lifts up the, explains texts and deals with texts of scripture, um, you know, verse by verse, line by line through books of the Bible and uh, join that church, Uh, get it plugged in, do life, whether it's, whether it's a Lutheran church or, you know, Like we, like we talked about, or, you know, just because, just because we have differences doesn't mean that, you know, if we have a conservative understanding of the Bible, um, we're going to have an understanding of the gospel. Um, no, no, if you don't have a right view of the scripture, what I'm saying is, is you're not going to, there's no way that you're going to have a right view of the gospel. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, whether that you end up at an evangelical church, a Baptist church, a Lutheran church, find a church, and you don't have to agree, uh, you can disagree with on, um, you know, the timing issue, the rapture, the mm-hmm. coming of the Christ. But the main issue is, do they love one another? Um, and do they care for one another? And do they care for you and your soul and preach the truth to you from from the word? So I guess that's where I would land briefly.
1: Perfect. Well, you know, as we talked uh, early in the show, we'll uh, make sure we get you back on for the rant that now is compiling in my head because I've got people who we rant with and I think it would be fun to have another panel discussion of just a bunch of people and expressing issues that we just are really fed up with and we just see the world really imposing um, a massive burden upon the church, a big yoke. And it's actually... An interesting side note to move it on. Uh, I had you know, my preaching series, I've been doing these Bible stories where I, you know, hit the highlights of everything you learned about in Sunday school. And I've been doing that for a long time. And I was talking with my president of the council the other day at the church, and we we're kind of talking through like what do we want to do in the future, and so we've decided that we'll finish with Moses, and then in June we'll start a segment on what does it mean to be a biblical Christian in today's world, mm. and the conversations that we had that really came to this was we can, uh, we can truly understand scripture, and we'll use scripture, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go to the text first to find where we want to lead to, but and we'll also use creeds and confessions, etc., etc., but you know, what does scripture say and do in its current you know, or in its cultural content in context? And how do we, you know, how can we understand that? And I often try to say, okay, you know, this text was, you know, written in a first century, you know, Jewish understanding, yada, 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 you know, does that have any implications on us today? How do we understand this today? But we're going to go straight at the, you know, helping to edify the Christian in today's world, where you're just being bombarded with false teachings, heresies, and you know misconceptions, misunderstandings. Um, you know, even like we did at the top of the show with the uh, uh, the the text from Paul. You know, it just if you go down a, the wrong path, you, it's going to lead you to many misunderstandings of Scripture. So. Anywho, that wraps the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to this discussion. Please go follow him, subscribe to his blog, pick up his book, follow him on Instagram. You will not be disappointed. He just continuously throws firebombs at everything and everyone. So it's a, a wonderful page to follow and uh he's a great guy so i'm much appreciated to have his time here today to join me so ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in dave thanks for joining me we will see you all later